Welcome to Sacred Realms. It's a great day in Hyrule, y'all. Welcome to Sacred Realms, a Zelda retrospective podcast. I'm your host, Lyndon Willoughby, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt Willoughby. How are you doing today, Matt? Lyndon, it's a beautiful day. It's springtime in Texas, and it's not too hot yet, so that means that I'm in a good mood. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels great in Texas today. It's finally not raining, so that's awesome. We'll take it. Indeed, it has been torrential downpour, uh, worthy of Guru Guru himself recently. Worthy of Guru Guru himself. I, I, I dare say an amount of rain that would have uh, messed up his windmill in some non-specific way that he would have been angry about for and, seven years. And would have drained the well for some reason, even though it's raining, so you, you would think logically the well would be more full. Not exactly clear, number one, on how time travel works in the Zelda universe, but I'm even less clear about how that windmill itself works. Yeah, I have questions. Questions that need answering. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I don't think we're ever going to get answers to those questions. Shall never get answers to those questions, no. Today, we are also joined by the third in the trifecta of Willoughby siblings, Jackson Willoughby, fresh off of his uh, graduation, celebrating the end of his years of collegiate achievement. He uh, has joined us for this episode, a makeup from the one that he was going to have earlier in the season. Jackson, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Um, you know, this is my summer break, which won't last very long, but I'm enjoying the time off that I am going to get. <laughs> yeah, the thing about being an adult and having a job is that the words summer break no longer fit into your vocabulary anywhere. So, hey, welcome to adulthood. We're happy you could join us. I'm getting two total weeks off between school and work. So I'm just let me live happily in my quote unquote summer break. Hey, look, it, when you're an adult, summer is just another span of time in which you still sit in an office from nine to five and do things that people pay you for, not things that you enjoy. So welcome. Yeah, I was going to say at, at a certain point, you get two weeks of vacation and you sit around thinking to yourself, how in the world do I fill such a wealth of of time? Like, what do I even do with myself for two weeks? Oh, my gosh. Like, I have that problem if I ever. So like this is it's, it's, we're going on a long weekend here. Right. So this is Memorial Day weekend. Um, we have Monday off uh, here in the United States. If we have any listeners who are outside of the States, um, that, that is a holiday for us. Uh, in celebration of the holiday, my boss told me on Friday, you know, you, you can just kind of monitor email at the last half of the day, you know, around like noon or one, just feel free to, you know, take it easy. And I literally didn't know what to do with myself at two o'clock on a Friday when I wasn't working. Right. It was very odd. And I had a moment of intense and depressing realization that that's what it's like to be a working adult. And I didn't like it. You could have helped me move on Friday, but no, I couldn't because I was still working in the morning and we can go over exactly how I was out there three weeks ago to help you move and you decided not to. So I have no sympathy for you. Oh, got him. It's a long story. Got your ass. (laughs) Boom. Roasted. (laughs) Okay. So Jackson, um, what we have been doing for every guest that we've had on the show so far is kind of getting a baseline uh, history of where you're at with Zelda, what games you've played, which ones you 
enjoy the most, which one you like the least. So let's start there. What what have you played? Which one was your favorite and which one was your least favorite? Well, compared to my older brothers, it's quite lame. Uh, Zelda was a little bit before me in terms of, you know, games that came out that were like absolute crushers. Right. So even still, my first game was. Were they Wesley crushers or Beverly crushers? Uh, hopefully the Beverly type. I think that I don't even know what the right answer was there. Like, which is better? I'm not sure. I, I mean, Wesley crushers obnoxious and then Beverly crushers at least like super good at being a doctor. Wesley's super good at wearing a turtleneck. Uh, he does kill the turtleneck because he's he's good at it for sure. Okay, so back to Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this is Zelda. Don't forget. So oh, my we, we cross over a lot. It's fine. My first game was Ocarina of Time on the N sixty four, followed straight up by Majora's Mask on the N sixty four. Cool. Um, I also played Minish Cap and Spirit Tracks, which I didn't finish, on my DS Lite, the Zelda edition DS Lite, which was awesome. Gold with the Triforce on it, super cool. It was indeed a very pretty system. It was a gift from Lyndon. He Uh, does good gifts occasionally. Yeah, that tracks. Spirit Tracks. (laughs) (laughs) But other than that, I've played Breath of the Wild uh, more recently, and Sadly, I think that's all I've played, mainly because the games that came out in between those were on the Wii or the Wii U, which were both Lyndon and Matt's systems, and they were either in college or living on their own. And so I never had access to those games. That's totally true. I forgot about that, that like Lyndon and I both owned either a Wii or a GameCube or a Wii U, but never at a time where we were all three living in the same household. Yeah, I missed out on a lot of Zelda just Mm -hmm. because I never had access to them and I didn't have money. Wow. I, how did I forget that until just now? Yeah, well, I mean, I didn't even play Wind Waker until it came out for the Wii U. And by the time that happened, I was already graduated from college and living on my own. So, um, yeah, there was definitely a swap. Like, I mean, we didn't have a GameCube. We didn't have a Wii. And the Wii U came out when I was already gone. So, I mean, yeah, you would have missed Twilight Princess, Wind Waker, uh, Skyward Sword. And then also, I mean... I I guess the handheld stuff that was happening in there was was just Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks. So. Yeah. And so it's funny now that I think about it, you're absolutely right. We didn't have we were an Xbox household other than outside of our Nintendo 64. The only other game consoles we've really owned have been Xbox related. Right. Um, other than, of yeah, course, like yeah. now, at least growing up, like now we have a wide variety. But like growing up thinking high school, uh, middle school, even like very early college, it was Nintendo 64, uh, like 3DS or 2DS or whatever the handheld was at the time. And then it was Xbox. And that, that was about it. Yeah, we stretched that N64 out for a lot of years. Oh, man, we made that thing work with TVs that like didn't even have the red, um, white and yellow. They had the green and the blue and then the red and the white. And so like we we made it work. Mm -hmm. with tvs that it really wasn't supposed to work with Mm -hmm. the graphical quality was terrible yeah that that n64 is still kicking by the way yeah it's in my room right now i actually was thinking about playing majora's mask on it whenever we get there because for reasons um (laughs) for swimming reasons for for zora link reasons yes it does actually get used occasionally for our mario mario party 2 the rage inducing experience that is mario party 2 because linden always wins pretty good at mario party 2 y'all no one will play with me anymore. I don't know why. Yeah, because you're a sore winner. So my my Zelda history, other than the games that I've played, uh, has to do a lot with uh, watching my older brothers play games, 
uh, on the N64, running around, like, wondering, what's that? You know, what are you playing? Like, where are you going? Um, oh, that's a really pretty horse, and things like that. <laughs> um, also, the aforementioned in a previous episode, manuals, of which I have stolen the Majora's Mask manual and have kept it in college and brought it home as a surprise for wow, my brothers. That's well, actually in like really good condition. Yeah, that that's in startlingly good shape. Yep. How did that survive all so, three of us being in college? So I got a bunch of crap Here, on can a previous I, Can I see that? Yeah, I got a bunch of crap on a previous episode about ruining an Ocarina of Time manual, but I assure you that this Majora's Mask one is in perfect condition. Uh he's not kidding. This is actually in in, in impeccable shape. And it's the original one that we got when we were kids. Well, uh, I'll post a picture of this on the Instagram uh, before this episode goes live, or I guess just after this episode goes live, so you guys know what we're talking about. But, um, and I'm, I'm, I'll actually, I'll probably tag uh, Melora History of Hyrule in this as well, because this is, uh, this is strategy guide porn right here. It's, it's gorgeous. Huh. Good save. Really good save. Yeah, I'm, no, I'll, that's uh, fantastic. Yeah, I'll need to look through this more later. Um, okay, so favorite one you've played and least favorite one you've played. Yeah, I think my favorite one that I've played just for nostalgia is Ocarina of Time. My or one of my earliest gaming memories. My earliest is Halo. Uh, funny enough, <laughs> an wow. M-rated game. Yeah, I was about to say that was probably my fault. Probably. Yeah. That also makes me feel so indescribably old. Well, Halo One, so don't feel too old. But I mean, Halo pretty, One, pretty old. Yeah, dude. Halo One's an old game now, and that came out when I was in middle school. So yeah. That makes me feel old as well. But going. my first Zelda gaming experience was still when I was really young, and it was Ocarina. So it holds a lot of uh, a lot of warm feelings in my heart. So that's my favorite, least favorite. Yeah, my least favorite. Uh, some of the handheld ones are just really clunky and didn't grab me. Like I couldn't even finish Spirit Tracks. But I don't want to say my least favorite is something I didn't finish. You know, I want to at least say something that my least favorite, something I did finish would then have to be Minish Cap because the three other games that I finished were really, really good. I mean, just given that your sample size is so incredibly small, I I can't really fault you for that. But also, I don't know how many people are going to have Minish Cap on their on on like the least favorite end of their lists. I mean, I think not very many. Yeah. Yeah. It's in no way a bad game. Like, so fun. The cartoons, like, the it, style of the game is beautiful. Yeah. It, it's perfect for it, the age that I played it at. And, like, you've you've played th- uh, four of what can be considered most... P- it, like, the four games that you have played would be in most people's, like, top 50% of Zelda games, right? Like, all four of those games are very good. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Well, at least the games that I skimmed off of you guys when you weren't looking, at least they were the good ones. That's true. <laughs> that is fair. You have good taste. So I'm actually, I'm really excited to get around to Minish Cap. It's the only game that was ever created uh, the, w- that kind of maintains sort of a Super Nintendo 16-bit graphics style. It was the only game that came out on the Game Boy Advance. Uh, I mean, there was like Four Swords, whatever, but it's the only mainline Zelda game that came out on the Game Boy Advance. And that art style is timeless in a way that a lot of past Zelda games are not. I mean, a lot of these games, regardless of how good they are, the extent to which their graphics have aged well or poorly is all over the place. But um, that 16-bit art style on Minish Cap is is never going to look bad. And in fact, a lot of games that came out long after Minish Cap, like there's this kind of wave of 
game design that has happened recently where it's kind of trying to approximate that Super Nintendo art style. And um, and so in some ways, Minish Cap was kind of it, it was on that train long before a lot of other stuff was just by necessity. But it it still looks great for the same reasons that people uh, play and enjoy playing those newer games that that try to to kind of ape that style. So, yeah, the Game Boy Advance really reminded me of something. Do you remember the Nintendo Micro Minis, that red and gold uh, yeah. Okay. So this is actually, this is an interesting conversation because when we're talking about how we're going to play whatever games get voted on next in the series, most of those are going to be pretty easy to get a hold of and for us to play. But Minish Cap is going to be hard because uh, it's not available anywhere really other than tracking down a cart and a Game Boy Advance and playing it that way. But I had one of those Game Boy Micros that you're talking about, and it was the special edition Famicom one, which was the maroon red and the gold accents. And oh, I remember that. Yeah, I remember playing Minish Cap on that. Yeah. yeah, and I actually don't know where that is. Around the time I went to college, I lost track of it. I know what happened. It was in one of our one of our Ford excursions and I think it got stepped on or it got left oh, out in the cold did, and the broke. screen got ruined. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You want to know how much uh those are worth on eBay these days? Yes, I, I I do. It's I like think. it's several hundred dollars. <sighs> I mean, yeah. That's just sad. And it's like it's one of those things where I was too young to really realize cuz to me it was just another Game Boy system and I had, I'd had like a 100 of those, you know? <laughs> um and I just didn't didn't think it through, and I desperately wish that that had not happened because, one, it would make playing Minish Cap a lot easier whenever we get around to that one, but also it was just a gorgeous system. That Game Boy Micro was one of the least practical and best-looking things that Nintendo ever designed. I mean, it's tiny, but it's just it's a beautiful system. It worked great for my little tiny hands. So That's true. I think I played Minish Cap on the Game Boy SP, which was the flip, the flip open one. Yeah, it was the first one that had a backlight. Yeah. Um, oh, those things were also classic. That was back in the age of razor phones when if, like, if you had a razor, you were like the <laughs> cool kid in school. Yeah. Everyone just loved things that flipped open. Yeah, well, I mean, remember, even even the regular Game Boy Advance, the purple, you know, wide set one, uh, I mean, you had to plug in that little yeah, cord, that and bendy would, cordy light on yes, the top. So, oh, I remember yeah. that. Uh, yeah. Those things were so bad. The SP added a whole new dilemma for, for middle schoolers because it allowed them to sneak in and play Pokemon or Zelda a lot later in the night, but then you're also in middle school, so you're staying up way past your bedtime, and the next day you regret it. But Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I hardly ever regretted it. <laughs> no. No, no, definitely no, not. No, that definitely was always not. There, there, that was always the right decision to make. For sure. Regardless of what your parents tell you. It's the right, <laughs> Absolutely. The right thing to do. Okay, excellent. Jackson, thanks for walking us through all that. Um, obviously, we're gonna get into Ocarina of Time a little bit more specifically here in a minute. I know originally you wanted to be on the Jabu Jabu episode. Uh Butthole City, baby. Butthole City with its <laughs> with its nice squishy sphincter doors. Oh, ew. That's disgusting. <laughs> that's that's somehow even more gross than the actual sound effect they used in the <laughs> that's game. True. That's hard that's hard to do. Uh, oh, what is it? Oh, yeah. Uh, so ew. yikes. Ugin me out. Okay. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh before we do, though, I want to get into a little bit of housekeeping. If you guys didn't know, Sacred Realms is a weekly re-examination of The Legend of Zelda, one little slice at a time. Sacred Realms drops every Wednesday and is available on all major podcast networks. 
Every week we play a new section of a Zelda game. Then we sit down here to talk and to drop our hot takes. If that sounds fun to you, please head over to Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Hit like, subscribe, leave us a five-star review if it is uh, possible to do so on that platform. Um, Five-star reviews are greatly appreciated, and they have a chance to get a shout-out here on the show. If you want more Sacred Realms in your life, you can head over to patreon.com slash sacredrealmspod to get access to bonus episodes, write in listener mail, vote on what game we play next, and so much more. Um, I just want to let everybody know that all of the April trading cards, if you if you were a patron in April and uh, you paid for the first two cards that we offered that month, they are in the mail, they are on their way to you, you should have them already, um, and if not, they should be there soon, so... And if you didn't get them, check your Patreon. Uh, if I didn't send them to you, it's probably because I didn't have your address. I did have to request a few addresses. So if you are a patron and you are sitting there thinking, why have I not received my April cards yet? Check your Patreon uh, message inbox. I may have asked you for your address so that I can send them to you. Yep. We want to send you your cards. They look great. Also, the uh, the the month of May trading card, which is the chic design, is supposed to show up at my house in the next week or so. They're they're they finished production last week and they're in the mail on their way to me. So I'll have pictures of those. and I'll put them up on the Instagram soon. Uh, so look forward to that. One more note on the Patreon, as I said in last week's episode, we currently have a poll that is live, and in that poll, you are able to vote on what game we play next in the series. So currently, Link's Awakening is uh, is ahead by, I want to say, three votes with a link to the past right behind it. If you do not want to see Link's Awakening be the next game that we play, then sub to the Patreon and vote in that poll because whichever one wins is the one that we are going to play next. The options in that poll are The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past, Link's Awakening, Oracle of Seasons, Oracle of Ages, Minish Cap, and Phantom Hourglass. So um, yeah, like I said, if you feel very strongly that you want to see one of those next, head over to our Patreon and vote in that poll. It is available to all Patreon tiers from lowest to highest. So everyone can get in on that. Just give me a reason to buy the new Link's Awakening for my 3DS. That's all I'm saying. You mean the Switch? Yes, the Switch. Well, you should do that anyway. You should absolutely do that. It's a really good port. Uh, I say port. It's a really good remake. I love the art style. It's so gorgeous. Isn't it though? The coloration is so good too. Like just the whole game looks so good. Yeah. If that is what we end up playing next, we're going to have plenty to talk about because it was it was very well done. So especially with our local artists sitting right here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I um just from an from an overall direction and like art style, they were able to translate things that they were trying to do in the Game Boy version to uh the Switch and it it really comes alive. I, I would be very excited to talk about that. So But without further ado, let's get into what we played this week. This is the Sacred Realms rundown where We get into what we played this week. We break it down into a six-part analysis. We tell you the feelings that it made us feel. Today, we are covering Ocarina of Time, Chapter 8, which includes the Gerudo Desert, the Haunted Wasteland, the Spirit Temple, all that uh, fun deserty nonsense. Part 1, as always, is the plot recap, as read by Matt. We have one sage left to find, and the only lead we have is to look into the past of our greatest enemy to see what clues it might hold. We know that he is from the Gerudo tribe deep within the desert on the western edge of Hyrule. 
So there is where we will go. As we cross into the territory of the Gerudo, we are hailed by the master carpenter who asks us to find his wayward craftsmen, who have left him to join the tribe of thieves. When the craftsmen, what the craftsmen didn't know is that the Gerudo tribe is almost entirely female and they do not tolerate outsiders, especially men, within their territory. While our primary goal here is to find clues about Ganondorf, we could not sit idly by and let these, let these craftsmen come to harm. As we make our way through the fortress, avoiding the rather testy guards at every turn, we find and free all four craftsmen from their cells. At each cell, we are accosted by a skillful and merciless Gerudo lieutenant. After defeating these great warriors and rescuing the poor witless carpenters, we are greeted by the leader of the fortress herself. She is so impressed with our skills as a swordsman that she gives us permission to move about the fortress and the desert beyond it with freedom. She even tells us that the leader of the Gerudo tribe is named Naburu, and her headquarters is deep within the heart of the desert, inside the spirit temple. Armed with exactly the information we came to find, the only obstacle before us now is to cross the perilous desert. After a harrowing trip across the dunes, we come to the Desert Colossus, a magnificent sandstone structure that exudes a sense of power and mysticism. As we enter, we find that there is no way for us to proceed beyond the antechamber. One wall is blocked by a stone so large that only a Goron would have any hope of moving it, and the other wall's only egress point is a small crawl space big enough for a child. There is nothing for us to do here, so we head back outside to look for more clues. As is so often, we find ourselves face-to-face with our enigmatic friend, Sheik. He tells us that the key to progressing through the spirit temple is to go back in time using the master sword and enter this temple as a child. In order to get back to the temple as a child, Sheik teaches us the Requiem of Spirit and quickly departs. Taking his advice, we return to the Temple of Time, place the sword within its pedestal, and return to the Desert Colossus as our younger self. Once inside, we find the temple exactly as we left it, except there is now a woman standing by the small crawl space, appearing to study it. As we approach, she tells us that her name is Naburu, the person we have been looking for, and that she is here to foil the plans of Ganondorf and his minions. All she needs is the treasure contained within the temple, the Silver Gauntlets which would allow her to move the giant stone blocking the opposite wall. She asks us to crawl through the hole and bring her these gauntlets. Seeing as we are always on board with any plan that messes with Ganondorf, we agree. The temple is an ancient monolith of profound antiquity and mysticism, and the monsters and traps within speak to a place full of secret power. As we fight through the monsters and chambers, we come upon the most frightening enemy we have yet to face outside of a boss room, the Great Iron Knuckle. After a lengthy and dangerous battle, we bring the Juggernaut to its knees and progress to the treasure that we seek. Just as we lay hands on our prize, a piercing scream rips through the air. We look below and see our new friend, and she seems to be sinking into a vortex of purple sand. There are two witches on brooms flying in circles around her and ensnaring her with their magic. She cries out for us to flee to safety as quickly as possible before disappearing completely into the dark vortex of magic. With Naburu gone and the silver gauntlets in hand, we head back to the Temple of Time to reclaim the Master Sword and return to our adult body. 
There is no choice now but to conquer the spirit temple as an adult and hope that we can save Naburu in that timeline. Returning once again to the Desert Colossus, we are able to move the giant stone blocking the entrance with the help of the magical silver gauntlets. It is time to delve into the deep and dark mysteries of the spirit temple. After fighting through floors and floors of ancient traps and magical enemies, claiming the magical mirror shield from within the temple, we come to the main chamber where sits the imposing Colossus. Using the mirror shield, we shed light onto the ancient statue and reveal the dark inner sanctum that it holds. Within this sanctum, we find the witch sisters we saw in the past, and between them is an even larger and more imposing iron knuckle than any we have seen before. The witches send their minion to do battle with us and retreat to their lair. After a heated battle, we finally defeat the ironbound monster, only to reveal that it is none other than Naburu. She has spent the last seven years being brainwashed by the sisters to do Ganondorf's bidding as his minion. As punishment for her failure to kill us, the witches cast another spell on her and teleport her away to go through the torturous brainwashing again. The only thing left for us to do is to take revenge on these evil witches within their own lair. Using the power of the mirror shield, we play the sisters' powers against one another. We turn their evil magic back upon themselves until they are utterly defeated. The most powerful of Ganondorf's magical minions are now defeated and the spirit temple is free of their influence. As we return to the Chamber of Sages, Naburu greets us as the newly awakened Sage of Spirit. She pledges to help us fight the King of Evil when the time comes and grants us the spirit medallion. Before we are returned to the temple, Raru comes to us and says that all the pieces are now set. The sages are all awakened, they are powerful, and they are ready to do battle against the evil king. But before we can, there is someone who is waiting to meet us at the Temple of Time, before we can begin the final assault against Ganondorf. This has been the plot as recapped by Matt. That was a a pretty chunky section, but don't you guys worry, we're going to have a yet chunkier section next week uh, where we literally finish the game. So going to be a lot to dig into there. Oh, man, that plot recap is going to be good uh, long. Yes. So, uh, yeah, we're going to have to prepare for that one. Well, if nothing else, we're giving uh, we're giving Matthew a lot of practice in his uh, in his endless quest to become a skillful orator. So I think that that is a really good point. And yes, I I hope that I've progressed. I hope our readers enjoy my oratory skills. I think that you're doing pretty good. Thank you. No complaints here. No complaints. Thank you. Now, let me just say before we move on, I do have to apologize to our listeners that all our voices are very similar. And oh, we won't blame you if you get us mixed up. So very, very sorry for that. Well, that's a good point. We actually we run in a Destiny squad together, and this is a constant point of consternation with anyone who's not a member of our immediate family whenever they hop into our fire team. So we've been told that it is uh, troublesome to to pick these voices apart. So we're very sorry if that is true. Yeah, we don't want to give you uh, any any reason to be. Um, confused, but hopefully we make up for it just by being enjoyable people. Yeah, we should have assigned Jackson like a voice. Like, you have to talk in this voice for the entirety of the episode. Uh, that would have been fun. Can. Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't have done it. I don't well, even... I, yeah, it's true. I'm uh, not your pawns anymore. <laughs> well, that's fair. Eh, I guess yeah. that time has passed. Be like, hey, Jackson, uh, Matt and I are going to talk normal, and you have to talk like Uncle Iroh for the entire <laughs> podcast. If you could talk like Uncle Iroh and you didn't, I would be sad. Prince Zuko, the spirit temple is there. 
place of profound wisdom. It is very ancient. You must feel the flow. Oh, man. God, that show is so good. Oh, man. Anyway, excuse my horrible Uncle Iroh. Yeah, we're, we're not voice actors. We are not. We are very much not. Very much not. All right, let's get into part two, which is our takes. Matt, why don't you lead us off? Tell us kind of what, what you're feeling about this whole <clears throat> section of the game. I have been so excited to play this portion of the game, um, really, since we started, um, since we started the playthrough. Um, this is probably my favorite section of the game, um, my favorite temple, uh, the ambiance, the vibe, the music of the Gerudo Fortress. Um, the, so the Gerudo um, Valley music just by itself. Like I could literally just sit in Gerudo Valley and just let that play for like a long time. It's my favorite uh, world theme, yeah. I guess. Or mi- the Symphony of the Goddess, when you and I went in yes. San Antonio, was unbelievable. That, as soon as it started the... I was like, yes! Well, this is also one of those Zelda themes that you could you could hop on YouTube any old day and just type in, like, classical guitar, Gudo Valley theme, and there's, like, five or six of them, and they're all so good. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it is... Fantastic. So I love this section of the game. Um, I think it is a very strong section of the game. You use a lot of different skills. You use a lot of different items. There are a lot of things going on. There are things to do, even outside of just the main quest that are really fun. Um, the uh, The horse archery challenge, the thieves training ground, super fun, like mini dungeon. Um, I, I the only thing I don't necessarily like about this portion of the game is freeing the craftsmen from the cells in the Gerudo Fortress um, that I always, always, always spend like half an hour trying to track down the last one. And it's always a different one. And I it's I don't know why I have such a hard time with it, but I do. It's so funny because I I do the exact same thing and I did it this time as well, where like. The one that I remember very clearly spending all that time trying to find last the last time I played the game is the first one I found this time. Exactly. Yeah. And and then you're still missing one at the end. You're like, wait, where'd he go? The thing is, the thing is, you're you know, you're using your long shot to to hook around the the camp to not get seen and stuff. And you just get lost in the the vastness of this what it's called uh the hideout mm-hmm. it's, yeah it's the not hideout not very much of a hideout if it's a massive complex no, right yeah, it's not <laughs> and, the, and the other thing is these gerudo thieves should be training the hyrule castle guards because they'll spot you from a mile away and the hyrule castle guards are apparently blind yeah i do just want to say clearly jackson you play this a very different way than i do you seem to adopt very much of the stealth approach and i adopt very much of a Shoot uh, everyone with yeah, arrows approach. Get, get up high and snipe everyone approach to this. Shoot them this in the face thing. and yeah. then they can't spot you. Yeah, it's easy. <laughs> Jackson, well, I mean, where are you at with this whole section of the game? Is it like, where did it kind of stand in? I mean, we're close to the end of Ocarina of Time now. Um, where do you place it alongside 
everything else we've done so far. So it's interesting because this takes a very different change from, well, I guess it's kind of like the Shadow Temple in a way. It's kind of eerie almost, just preparing you for the end of the game, right? So you're in the desert. There's lots of like mystical things happening around, uh, you know, going through uh, on your way to the actual spirit temple after you conquer the the Gerudo Fortress. But being actually in the Gerudo Fortress brings you right back to the very beginning of the game, as Matt was talking about going through, you know, facing the castle guards and sneaking around, right? So uh, it's almost kind of like the designers of Ocarina of Time wanted to take you back before they send you to the end of the game. So not only with the the mechanic that you learned hours and hours and hours of gameplay ago, you know, tenfold at this point of hiding from guards and things like that, but also becoming Young Link again just, just rejuvenates all of those happy-go-lucky feelings that you got when you started the game. Yeah, that's a good point. So I think to me, one of the reasons I enjoy this section of the game so much is because, one, it does a really great thing, which is force you to go back and forth from Young Link to Adult Link time uh, in order to complete it. Um, and that does create kind of a difference in tone, like you're saying. But also, the thing that I love the most about this section of the game is that it takes us to a portion of the map that we just have not been to at all yet. I mean, the Fire Temple, Water Temple, Spirit Temple, we're kind of Forest Temple. We're going back to places that we spent quite a lot of time in early in the game. And it's cool seeing them in their new context in the adult timeline. But, you know, the desert, the the you know, hideout, the Spirit Temple, all those places are brand new. And... It's really nice because it kind of it shakes up somewhat of a feeling of security that you may have had revisiting older locations from the other temples. So I think that that was that was a really good way to kind of end the game or at least to send you into the ending of the game. That was a really good last little bit of uh, of main game uh, content before you go into the finale. Yeah. One thing that I that I really took from it is uh, you've kind of gotten used to all the other areas, as you were saying, you know, these are places that you've been and visited as young Link and adult Link. But one thing that the Spirit Temple uh, does really well is when you become young Link, it really represents the scale of the Spirit Temple and the things inside it, right? So the uh, going to Gerudo Valley is so different as young Link than it is as adult Link. Uh, you know, looking at Death Mountain is probably the biggest point of scale, I guess, in Ocarina of Time. But there's nothing quite like the difference as young Link going against an Iron Knuckle than it is going against an Iron Knuckle as adult Link. Oh, that's totally true. That Iron Knuckle um, is just atrociously yeah. hard as young Link. So I've got I've got a lot of thoughts about this, actually, but I want to save that until we get into the dungeon map. Yeah, no, that's um, fair. Yeah, as Jackson uncorks a little bit more whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, if we're going to do that, I'm going to yeah, go okay. grab a glass. Yeah, go, go get yourself something. I'll talk. I'll talk. Um, yeah, no, 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 no. I, I think that this is just such a tonally distinct portion of the game. Um, it just It's instantly exciting just for no other reason than that. There's nothing like this uh, elsewhere on the map that you've been to previous to now. So that's a lot of fun. I will say um, – I, I'm very persnickety about the time of the day that I will first get go into Gerudo Valley. So whenever I'm done with the Shadow Temple, I load up, I get on a Pona. I'm like, okay, Gerudo's Fortress, Spirit Temple, time to go do all this. I will not 
ride into Gyudo's Valley for the first time at night because that music isn't playing. I always wait until the sun comes up and then I ride into Gyudo's Valley and then you just get the, you know, da 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 So, I mean, that's the only way to do it, right? Like, if you if you ride into Gyudo's Valley really at any time at night, it's just like, boring yeah similarly i have a point that i i found out this playthrough so this time was the first time that i went into the what is it the the sand uh river section you know when you're crossing between the fortress and the actual spirit temple oh like you fell into it no well of course i did but this time when i was going through that section uh of the desert where you have to like track the guys with the the lens of truth and everything uh i did it at night And it just adds a level of creepiness that you just don't get if you don't do it at night. Well, that's actually, huh. I've never done that before. Neither have I. And you know why that is? Because if if I'm riding into Gerudo's Valley in, in the morning, then you come to the thieves hideout and time doesn't pass there. And it also doesn't pass in the haunted wasteland. So I feel like I've only ever really done those things during the day. You know, like the time doesn't start passing normally again until you get to the desert colossus. Yeah, the temple. Yeah, it was it was sad not to be able to hear the music until I got to the spirit temple to the colossus. But at the same time, going through the wastelands at night, it was so eerie and and interesting. I I, I loved it. Such a new perspective. Well, that probably adds a whole another layer to the to the name haunted wasteland. I mean absolutely you get the all these monsters popping up out of the ground and and you're you're walking around aimlessly you know it's supposed to be that you follow those stakes sticking out of the ground yeah right but even at night it's a little bit harder to see them and so it just adds like this you don't know where you are feeling so i just want to say these four carpenters desperately need to re-examine some of their life choices i don't know what the i don't know what the end game was here for these guys you know but it was uh, it was a very poorly thought out and executed plan that they had. Oh, for sure. Like, what did you think? You were just going to go, like, join the Gerudo thieves? I-, I do think the one thing they did have planned was after they've got caught, if they're getting rescued, all say the same thing. Because they all say the exact same thing to you. They're all like, oh, wow, you must be so brave coming to rescue us. We have blank number of people left yeah but how do they know that yeah how do they know that you already freed three of their other buddies two of the other buddies like what are they telepathic i really don't know but they've memorized it because they all say the same thing it's like on a card or something yeah right well i I would (laughs) here's your get out of jail free card read it back to me i would i would argue that uh that these guys are very short on relevant skills necessary to be a thief in the first place so absolutely um not stealthy not skillful. No, they run away and you can hear their footfalls. Clunk, 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 clunk. They also like, um, they kind of frolic when they run. I was going to say, they're very they, happy they, about it, They though. swing their arms in such a weird way. I'm just like, okay. Although everybody, everybody in Hyrule seems to run that way. No, they don't. They, or, Marathon Man runs normally. Well, yeah, the, the postman. Yeah, well, he's not the postman in this game. Oh, is he? I guess he's not, is he? He just no, is running around. He's just around like him. a runner. Okay, yeah, yeah. Anyway, no, yeah, you're right. They they certainly don't seem to be the most coordinated people in the world. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> I wonder if they were just doing it because the Gerudo are all women and they're lonely men. Well, that's a thought. I mean. It's quite depressing, Matthew. Maybe they just I wanted mean, a job. I, I don't know, man. I Regardless, I, I think that they're, 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think we can safely say that the main motivation for these actions was not a late life change in occupation. It was a, uh, uh, you know, they were all about that view, if you know what I mean. I, I That's my thought on it. Yeah. Just saying. So, uh, you know, still still saying it, very poorly planned and executed. These, oh, uh, absolutely. These four carpenters do not stand tall in the canon of impressive uh, Hylian characters. No. And you know what? I think there's only one person in like Zelda that I know of who was able to successfully woo a Gerudo woman. And it's the couple that get married in Terrytown. Oh yeah. It's uh what's his face? Um, uh, I don't remember his name. He's oh crap. In Breath of the Wild. Hudson. I think that's right. Is, is it? Yeah. It's Hudson. Is it? I'm going to look it up. But anyway, if, if he's the only person that I know of um, in Hyrule lore that successfully um, courts, I guess we'll say, a Gerudo woman. Yep. Yep. No, I think you're right. And actually, now that I think about it, I'm pretty sure that Hudson's character model is derived from one of these carpenter. carpenters. He looks very similar. Yeah. yeah. Which he is. He is a he's a builder in Breath of the Wild. So I think that actually tracks. I can see why they would have done that. Hold on one second. I'm, I'm going to Google this real quick because I'm head, I'm head cannon right there, right? I'm currently Googling it. The uh, yes. the other thing about the Gerudo Fortress that really caught me was um you know everything in this section of the game kind of feels like indiana jones right the the desert you know the the ruins kind of style of the the architecture but one thing that i kept on thinking was every time i freed one of these carpenters there was a gerudo um girl that was attacking you right yes. and she's all fancy and she's flinging her yeah, swords she's around the and, yeah and she's jumping around right and all i could think of was the scene where indiana jones just straight up like shoots the guy <laughs> that's being all fancy and i was like that's all i want to do to this girl right now she's funny <laughs> yeah i feel like that would have ruined the immersion of the of the whole thing but just pull out pull out a revolver and just shoot her yeah google ocarina of time carpenters and the first image you see is one that puts Hudson from Breath of the Wild right next to one of these carpenters. And yeah, he's it's it's very clear that Hudson in Breath of the Wild is is just like a I mean, you know, he benefits a little bit from the high res graphics. He's a he's a very buff man, but it's very clearly intended to be the same character. Yes. And so, um, you know what? Maybe these guys uh, eventually find nice Hylian women and down along the way, they're um, extremely distant uh, descendant finally fulfills their desire to woo and win a Gerudo woman. Yeah. Who can tell? Who can tell? I will say this is one aspect that I never thought about where the 3DS version of Ocarina vastly differs from the N64. Just look up a picture of the Carpenters from N64 versus 3DS. And it's totally ridiculously different. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot more there's a lot more peck action going Mm -hmm. on in the 3DS version. I mean, these guys have clearly been lifting. They got some good muscle definition there. Yeah. 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 Um, for them. So I, I want to talk real quick about the Desert Colossus environment, because to me, this is one of the most striking and impressive environments oh, in the whole game. Gorgeous. It just feels like the, the feel you get being there is so cool. This whole desert oasis feeling. Um, the art direction is is great. The Desert Colossus itself looks amazing. But you really get that feel that you think they're going for of like stepping into a very kind of Indiana Jones sort of sort of location. Yeah, I, I uh, so the way that I described it in the plot recap, I think obviously I did did this on purpose is exactly how I feel every time I look at 
the outside and the, and really the the Colossus chamber within the temple itself. You know, both the, on the outside and on the inside. Like it's ancient. And like you said, Lyndon, and I got this from you, profound antiquity. That's a good, good descriptor. Um, and there's definitely a sense of like mystical, magical, um, not exactly evil like the Shadow Temple, but definitely not like wholesome. You know, it's it's definitely one of those like, OK, there's some there's some magic going on here that you maybe probably don't want to mess with. Um, but it's not exactly evil in the way that the shadow temple is it's like walking up on a beautiful old abandoned mansion right mm. in, in that way that it's like it's beautiful and majestic but old and run down so you're like uh-huh. uh you're, you're scared to go in but also it's really it, it, cool yeah right it looks really <laughs> nice yeah. um so this seems like a pretty good time to transition from part two into part three, which is, of course, the dungeon map where we analyze this week's dungeon from mechanics to music and more. Let's talk about the spirit temple because. Well, can we talk about the. Um, oh, wait, we'll talk about inside quests. Never mind. Please continue. Also yeah, edit yeah, that yeah, yeah, definitely. So let's talk about the spirit temple. Um, I mean, to me. There's just so much to dig into here. I, I still maintain that I think the Forest Temple is my favorite temple in this game. But the Spirit Temple has just such an intriguing layout and progression. And I mean, it's got two main items, so that's fun. <laughs> yeah, so I, and I've said this over and over again, and people are probably getting tired of me saying it, but I love this temple. Like, everything about this temple is amazing. And it's also the only temple that you go into as both young Link and as adult Link. Well, you, I mean, yeah, it's the, it's the only one you're supposed to do that. You can get into. Well, yeah, you can, but like you have no reason to. There's nothing you can do in any of the other temples as sure. young Link. Like yeah. it, here it is. I, I think that is by itself is really cool. You basically have a two part dungeon, right? Where you yeah. go in, you get your first item. So it's, it's more like, it's almost like it's two dungeons yep. because really you have the iron knuckle quote unquote boss fight as young Link. And then you have you go through as adult link, you have two more iron knuckle fights and twin rova. So like so talking about music in this game, we've mentioned in past episodes how the music direction within the dungeons is very understated. It's much more atmospheric than it is front and center. And this is the first dungeon in the game that really bucks that trend a little bit, because mm -hmm. as soon as you walk in, the theme is very noticeable and it's very on brand with the vibe of this dungeon it's, yep. it's straight up desert temple music and it's really great It's, fan it's amazing. I, I think the thing that sets apart this dungeon for me is the character design. And that's not necessarily just the way you fight like the main boss, but it's the actual art design of all of the things that you fight in this dungeon. The iron knuckle, uh, the main boss at the end. Uh, the Anubis zombie, the Anubis yeah. enemies. Those yeah. are so cool. I mean, they just look incredible and unique. Yeah. And, and wonderful and perfect for this section of the game. I yeah. love it. The, the enemies in this dungeon are very much more specialized 
to this dungeon than we've seen in the past. I mean, in the Forest Temple, you know, you had like your Skulltulas and your Wolfos. And I mean, it, it's enemies that you've seen a hundred times before, really. And the same is true of most of the dungeons in this game. In this game, there this aren't... Oh, sorry. In this dungeon, it's not like there are a ton of enemies to fight. You don't do a lot of fighting in this dungeon. It's no Shadow Temple, yeah. No, but the ones that you do fight are very like they look like they belong in the in in the desert. Even temple. even the Lizalfos look different in the desert temple than they did in um, Dodongo's Cavern or anywhere else that you fight them. Hmm. They and, they have a different um, they have a different character mo- character model. And I love that about this part of the game, right? What I love about Zelda is it's just as much, if not more, about adventure and puzzles than it is actually fighting things, right? I want to be able Mm. to wander in this massive place and figure out where I'm going and how to get to the next room. You know, just fighting a bunch of, you know, enemies can get, you know, just annoying. And this does a really great balance. Yeah, well, I mean, this goes back to what Max Nichols was talking about on the Water Temple episode, where Zelda dungeons can be easily broken down into two distinct categories, the combat gauntlets and then the puzzle box dungeons. And this is very much a part of the uh, uh, puzzle box mentality. And that's not to say that you don't have some very challenging combat encounters, but the way that this dungeon functions is very much about... um, you know, it's it's much more environmental puzzle based. It's it's around it's it's much more about getting around and less about fighting your way from room to room. That being said, the iron knuckles, man, God, they are so hard and so fun. Um, I, so to your point about this being kind of a puzzle box dungeon, I want to disagree with you, um, because. I don't find this as puzzle boxy as say like the water temple, but then I kind of think about it a little bit more, especially after you get the mirror shield. And I think you are right for some parts of the temple are puzzle boxy, Um, specifically thinking about the times where you have to blow up walls and turn mirrors to reflect light into other rooms. Like that's definitely puzzle boxy. But what I what I like most about this temple is that you unlike the water temple and um, you're not backtracking a lot like you're still very much progressing forward through the temple. You you I think you only backtrack on yourself like two or three times um, and it's really just to go like through a room back to another room like you don't actually like go into the same room and do three different things. And- sure. But talking about the layout of this temple, one thing that bugs me a little bit about dungeon design in any Zelda game is when the layout of the map is somewhat arbitrary and it doesn't feel relevant to like the exterior layout of the temple. Obviously, that impacts your, you know, your enjoyment of beating the temple. Not at all. But I think it's a cool little extra bit of. I don't know, world building when the interior of the temple is laid out in a way that makes sense with the exterior of the temple. And this does. It does. Yeah, definitely. Because the temple exterior is the big tall statue with arms, with hands outstretched, you know, right and the mm-hmm. left. And the interior of the temple conforms very much to that layout where you have, um, you know, the left hand branch of the temple, which is, uh, or excuse me, the right hand branch of the temple is which the is child link. link area. And then the, the left hand branch is adult link, but it's very symmetrical in its design. I just think it's really cool. It's kind of interesting there. It's like chicken footed design, right? You can go left, right. And then once you've done both of those, you unlock the middle door. 
Yep. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a I think it's a fantastically designed dungeon as well. Um, when you said the Colossus with his arms open, I immediately thought Timba with his, his arms, arms open. Yeah. yeah. Uh, arms Shaka open. when the walls, walls fell. fell. Yeah. Yes. So the first thing I thought of. So something that I, I had thought about when you were saying uh, about iron, uh, iron knuckles. Was, oh, yeah. Let's talk about the iron knuckle. Fights. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I saw that and. Since I haven't played this game before I watched Game of Thrones, this thing, the first thing I thought of when I first saw it this playthrough was that's the mountain. Okay. Oh, yeah. I, I'm thinking about season, it now. Season seven, the mountain yeah, with no, the armor. I, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. thinking about it now. Okay. So who's ready for a check in on Linden's three heart, I, no death? I run. was going to ask you this because if you get hit by an iron knuckle one time with, with five or less hearts, you die. All right. You guys ready for this? I am so ready. I used my second of three fairies in this dungeon. Okay. Not to an iron knuckle. No. So I I beat all the iron, all three iron knuckles in this dungeon. Did with, you just spam them with bombs? With no, no, not okay. at all. Uh, I did. You, you slash and then you you jump back. In fact, I did it. Yes. I, I did it all with a sword. Um, man, that fight takes a long time as young Link. Just oh because my gosh, the Kokiri <laughs> sword does almost nothing to these guys, so it takes forever. But um, yeah, I didn't get hit by any of the iron knuckles. There was one time as young Link, I completely forgot the way that these dudes move when you strike them if you're kind of off to their their back quarter they can pivot really quickly and do a backslash yes and i completely forgot about it. I, I i like i was so shocked when it happened um and i was man if i'm link that axe blade is coming within millimeters of my freaking nose i'm so shocked <laughs> i didn't bite the dust right there and then because i, I that Man, I had to have been so incredibly close to where the hitbox is for you actually losing health. Um, it was terrifying. Yeah. But I did not fall to the iron knuckle. You know That's it, good. You know it did beat me. Hold on, I, I'm gonna guess. Um, I'll uh, guess. I'll guess before you. Okay, you guess. Really, really low ball on it here, Lazalfos. No, fire keys. Neither. Oh, okay. Well, what was it? It was that stupid Stalthos that you have to fight as young Link. Oh, yeah. So, look, Stalthos are difficult enough when you're adult Link, but when you're young Link, you've got a few things working against you. One, again, the Kokiri Sword does almost no damage to these guys. Two, you're short, and even when you manage to block their blows with your shield, sometimes weird things can happen where their sword kind of hits you anyway, just because yes. your character model's a lot shorter than they are. So, yeah, so I got in there and I was fighting the Stalthos as young Link, which you only do this one time in the whole game. It's, it's a hard fight. You're on a tiny little platform and there's a bottomless pit. But that like makes up the edge of the platform. Yeah. So you have almost no room to maneuver. Uh, I'm fighting this dude and I forget exactly what happened. I think it was within two or three blows of beating him. And then he got a hit in, which took away one and a half hearts. And the hit sent me flying into the pit, which took away another heart. So I come back with half a heart left and I was still about to, to do it. And it was one of those things where I blocked and I did everything right, but the Stalthos's sword still kind of, it registered a hit just because of the awkward positioning of, of Young Link's character model. So, so here's a perfect example of what I was saying earlier in this episode about scale, right? 
you walk in as young Link and you face a Stalfos for the first time as that size and it's at least two and a half of you. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. It's no, ridiculous. It's it feels like a completely different experience. And I love that. That's what I love about this game forcing you to go back to Young Link. It gives a whole new perspective to all of the the things that Adult Link just thinks is just it's yeah. your size. But Young Link, it makes you realize how small he actually is. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, two fairies down, one left to go. First one was against Volvagia. Second one was against the Stalthos in the Spirit Temple. So got Ganon's castle coming up and yeah one fairy so one fairy left so my strategy as young link was i spammed that dude with bomb chews i just like i would back up bomb chew back up bomb chew back up so bomb chews are king bomb chews are king they're awesome no i hate i think bomb chews are totally useless except for apparently against iron knuckles which i found them very useful against iron knuckles so there you go i found a new use for bomb chews yeah. Well, so there are a few things that I could have done to make those fights easier. I had Nehru's Love, for instance, by the way. I got it from the... Oh, really? The you fairy. got it already? You can get it right before the Spirit Temple. You just go I into know. the Fairy Temple. I just, yeah. I yeah. just didn't. So I got I got Nehru's Love, and I was thinking, maybe I should pop this before I fight the Iron Knuckles. And I didn't just because I like the rush, you know? Yeah, it's like <laughs> the adrenaline. I do, yeah. And it was great. It made for a really fun, tense fight. So anyway, um, yeah, Iron Knuckles, great enemies. But this dungeon just in general, um, you really do have to call upon so many of the skills that you've used in past dungeons to progress through this Yeah, And you have to think about things a lot differently in this dungeon. For example, the wall that moves that you have to climb uh, as adult link. It's oh, got yeah. the sections that move. That is frustrating. Like it's, it's challenging and hard and somewhat frustrating. You know, you can just long shot yeah. to the top. I was right? going to say that you can long shot above it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they they also the the breadth of items you have to use in this temple is also kind of unique. You have to use bombs, bomb shoes, lens of truth, megaton hammer, hover boots, um, fire arrows, uh, regular arrows, mirror shield, mirror shield, silver gauntlets. You even get a Deku shield from one of the chests. As and I'm so glad because those uh, yeah. goddamn fire keys, as soon as I, like, literally, as soon as I came out of the crawlway, I didn't even have time to move. I got hit by a fire Yeah, keys. so I was very proud of myself. I, I've i still got my Deku shield from the beginning of the game. Uh, I, I, It has never been burned away since. Well, yeah. good for you. Yeah. I, I'm not so lucky. I successfully avoided the fire keys, so that was that was fun. Do you guys prefer, so like I said, this dungeon has two main items. Which do we think is cooler, the silver gauntlets or the mirror shield? So the mirror shield is cooler. Mirror shield for sure. I I say that, but at the same time, in the 3DS, so I never really noticed in the N64, maybe it's just because I was so young, but in the 3DS, when you can actually see that Link is wearing the silver gauntlets with the ruby, they look really cool, like they do. I, I've got one point. For the mirror shield, which we'll get more to later. It's in the boss fight on the second stage of the boss fight. Whenever mm-hmm. you block you with the charge. mirror shield and yeah. it charges it up, that is so, so cool. Yeah. And, and right there, that does it. Yeah. I love the mirror shield. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. I think this boss fight um, definitely, you it, it revolves much more around the item that you get in the dungeon in a very specific or cool way than some of the past ones. I mean, like, I guess... I guess the Megaton Hammer was a very big part of the Volvagia fight, and um, the arrows were a very big 
part of the Phantom Ganon fight. But I mean, it's just so much cooler in this one. The arena is massive. Oh the, yeah, dude. The the look that the mirror shield has when it's charged up with either fire or dwee, ice is dwee, so dwee, dwee, cool. Dwee, dwee. Oh yeah. yeah. And and the tone changes whether it's the ice or the fire. It's a different like charge sound. Yeah. It, everything so when we did our bonus episode ranking our favorite boss fights like this was number like six for me or something i i love this boss fight i I think it's great but back to the items not only is this a great looking item the mirror shield it's also usable after this dungeon right like it's yeah it's amazing it's not like the hammer where you get it and you're like (laughs) what do you do with this now it's like mirror shield it's usable unlike the megaton hammer do you mean usable just in the fact that like it's a shield? It takes place. It takes the place of your regular shield, so you see it on link for the rest of the game. Well, yeah, but also I, you, you don't use its reflective capability. I don't think anywhere else in the game, which is sad. For, well, so you, I mean, you have to use it in Ganon's castle when you're exactly. unlocking the six. The six. Yeah, seals, well, I, I think this is just a. This is an issue that you get a lot with late game items in any Zelda game, yeah. no matter how cool they are. Like the fire rod in Link's Awakening, you get it in the last dungeon. And it's like, hey, this thing is sweet. And also, I'm not going to use it hardly at all because I've basically beaten the game. So yeah, done so, everything there is to do. Um, no, so it's just like visually speaking, the mirror shield. And I, I said this um, a couple episodes ago, maybe. I think the mirror shield is the coolest designed shield in any Zelda game. So you remember going all the way back to the Fire Temple episode, I said that there were two instances in this game of Nintendo having to change something from the N64 version to the 3DS version because of uh, racial sensitivity concerns. Yeah, it was the 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 music within yeah. the Spirit Temple yeah, was, was an Islamic, Islamic chant. No, yeah. the Fire Temple, the music in the Fire Temple was originally an Islamic chant we and they saying. had to... No, no, you what you what you said was that in the spirit temple it was an Islamic chant. No, I said no. no oh, it was no. the the, okay. ori- the original music in the fire temple was an Islamic chant that they had to remove for the 3ds. Okay, or yes. actually, uh, that was even in the N64 version. the The initial run of cartridges all had the chant, and then the second run had Did it removed. Okay. So, so what, um, so what was this one? This one is the symbol that is on the mirror shield and is all over the spirit temple and the 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 Geryudo's fortress. So um, in the N64 version, the symbol for the Geryudo was the crescent moon and star symbol. And it is straight up an, an Islamic symbol. Like it's, it's, it's almost like it's if the Islamic flag, no, well, yeah, it's, it's almost like if Nintendo had like used the star of David on the, on the mirror shield. Oh, or something. I'm so, oh very, you're right. Yeah. I forgot about that. It's very blatant. It, yeah. Okay. I'm so I, I'm literally Googled Ocarina of Time Gerudo symbol. And like one of the first thing that pops up is the crescent moon with the star. And it's right next to, um, I don't even know what country's flag this Do is. Do you but. think that it was just Nintendo and the Zelda team were just ob- oblivious? I, or I because- honestly, I don't think so that I think that looks too, similar to not be on purpose how can you be oblivious to like the third biggest religion at the time now the second or first biggest religion in the world that's what i'm saying is i'm pretty sure that it was not an accident that they did that which crazy i mean it tells you the difference tells you the difference between the 90s and today right like that's not great so obviously obviously that had to go um and was replaced by what is now the standard Geryudo symbol. It's it's used for any 
appearance of that species in any Zelda game. I mean, in Breath of the Wild, you go to Gyudo Town and this new symbol is all over the place. And I don't even know. It looks ex- like the squids from Mario. <laughs> it does kind of look like the squids from Mario, the bloopers. Yep, it yeah. looks it looks like a blooper. Yeah, so anyway, yeah, they had to uh, had to remove that. It's for the best. <laughs> yes, uh, definitely, definitely for the best. Yeah. So that was a, that was a fun little bit of trivia there. Yeah. So finishing up, I think with our dungeon map, um, my personal favorite dungeon, my personal favorite boss fight in Ocarina of Time, um, some of the best aesthetically looking items in the game, the mirror shield, the silver gauntlets, and just like overall, I think this is, in my opinion, the crown jewel of ocarina of time temples you know i'll probably agree with you it's the most balanced it brings the most uh diversity to a boss fight right you're not just hacking and slashing at something mm-hmm. um movement is important as mm-hmm. well as the way that you do damage to the boss mm-hmm. i think the design is beautiful the music is great the atmosphere outside of the temple is awesome uh I love it. I think it's yeah. great. And I I didn't quite appreciate it when I was younger, mm-hmm. but replaying it this time made me realize just how good this place was. Yeah. And you know what? Actually, I have one other thought that I had written down in my notes is that this boss fight with that mechanic is so unique and so really, really fantastic. However, I did grow a little bit frustrated towards the end of it this time. Whenever she's... So you have to charge your shield whenever she throws the the magic at you. The very last time you have to do that, she starts alternating. And so I kept getting stuck in a pattern where I would charge with like fire. And then she would just throw ice at me for like eight times in a row. And I was just getting very frustrated by that. (laughs) And so um, that annoyed me a little bit. But But, small complaint overall compared to the larger. But don't worry about it because at... After you beat her, it's all rewarded with awesome sibling banter. Oh, yes. Their little spat <laughs> that they have before they die is hilarious. You know what? As good as the banter is on this podcast, it will never reach that because that is so funny. It's it's definitely some fun dialogue. It, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And and to your point that you made, a, a, I think it was also on the bonus episode, that Kotake and Komi are the only bosses that really have a personality. So this is one of those times where I honestly don't know how to pronounce. I've always said Kotak, Kotake, and Kome. I mean, I just, I don't care. It's I have I think no it's idea. Kotake and Komi is to me. I, that's how I say it. I don't know if it's right. I, I was don't. halfway. I was Kotoke and and the one that Matt said, Komi? Komi. Yeah, Komi. Yeah, I, I was halfway between y'all, so... <laughs> Anyway, yeah. No, you're right, though. Um, In terms of bosses in this game, these two have definitely got the most personality. And I I feel like you see them the most of any of the bosses, too, because you've got the you've got the encounter uh, where you see them suck Noboru into the vortex as young Link. And then you see them again after you beat the iron knuckle before the boss room. So you you do get a lot of face time with with the witches. You know, I just mm-hmm. I just had one last thought before we move away from from the dungeon map. One thing about the name of the dungeon, Spirit Temple. The Shadow Temple is a lot more like what you would expect Spirit Temple to be, right? Cuz you're you're seeing, you know, spirits are, you know, it's hard to describe, but 
phantoms, right? And and then Spirit Temple ends up being you're fighting some old 400-year-old ladies on broomsticks. Which is... You know, like, <laughs> it's a little different than what the name would probably suggest, at least. But it, it's interesting. Yeah. I, Okay, so let's move on into part four, which is where we talk side quests. I'm going to give a quick rundown on the ones that I got done in this section. So as I said before, I got Nehru's love from the Great Fairy's Fountain in the desert. I finished the Big Goron Sword quest, which was the main thing that I did this week. So long. It does it, it does take a while, but I do enjoy kind of the problem solving you have to do of like what's the quickest way to get from one place to another place without warping and ruining it all, yep. you know? Um from my understanding, the the best way to do that is by using the portals that take you from Lost Woods, Lost Woods yeah. to I, that's what I used to Zora's well. River and wherever else. So and then okay, so Big Orange Sword Quest that was a great one. Then I also actually ended up doing a little bit of the trying to get the fourth bottle by getting Big Pose. I don't usually mess around with that one at all, but uh, I just kind of stumbled across two of them in Hyrule Field. I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll spend a few minutes doing this. So I think I got five total, which is half of the the big pose you need to capture to get the fifth or the fourth bottle. I have not done any of that. Well, that sounds like something a person who's doing a completionist run of this game should probably get on. Yeah, it does. Which, by the way, just so we're keeping count, also includes the ice arrows. Which I have. Oh, you did? You did the whole thing? Uh, yeah. Nice. Of course cool. I did. I didn't go in there. I I think that the Gurudos training ground is fun, but I I can never get too motivated to do it just because, again, like you get the ice arrows and then you what? never like use you, them. Yeah, you go beat the game. You know? Yeah, I mean, I mean that's true. So there, there's the example of, you know, Spirit Temple originally being designed to be before Shadow Temple, right? I think he's right because mm-hmm. like. When even when you think even when you like power up the game, the shadow medallion is further to the right than the spirit medallion, even in the 3DS version. Yes. Okay. interesting. Yeah, I think he's right. But also, as I was playing through the spirit temple, you can't beat the spirit temple without the lens of truth and the hover boots. Okay, so hover boots. You're right. Uh, Lens of Truth, you're also right, but there is a person who straight up tells you that you need the Eye of Truth before you even go to the Haunted Wasteland. So yeah. that's kind of that, like, you know, last week we were talking about, like, okay, who in who in Kakariko Village even tells you you need this thing before you go to the Shadow Temple? And the answer is no one, really. It's someone in the Gerudo yeah, Fortress. <laughs> it's someone in the Gerudo Fortress. So again, this all kind of, like, goes back to the question of, did Nintendo intend for you to play this section of the game before you do the shadow temple. And I, I don't know, like I, I don't either. And I know we had someone on social media comment last week that they did beat the spirit temple before the shadow temple. So I know that it is possible. I'm not sure whoever that was. And I, I don't, I'm not looking it up right now. Um, how did you beat the spirit temple without the hover boots? People do ridiculous things in gaming. Like I really, I, do, don't I really don't understand because there are, there's at least one, very clear instance in my mind where you have to get onto the hands of the Colossus that's inside the temple and you have to do it with the hover boots. You can actually jump down to that hand from the platform. You can? Yes, but I it, don't think that you can get to the... Because there's that there's that area where you have to hit the rusted switch with the Megaton hammer. Yeah, exactly. I think you're supposed to hover boot over to that, so I don't know how no, you would do you that. No, you, you can make a chest drop there by hitting a switch. Oh. Well, then the only other one I can think of is in the Silver Ruby room. Shot. Yeah. In the silver rupee room, there's the one that's floating above the boulders. I think you're supposed to have to hover boot. Yeah, to get that's that. yes, definitely. I mean, unless 
unless they hid long shot things like all over this place no, to negate that. I, I don't know. I, no, they didn't. And I'm I think you're right. I I did I used the hover boots for that. I don't think you can get that without the hover boots. I mean, it's a mystery. Maybe Nintendo removed some things to make you use hover boots. No, I, I, don't I don't think they really changed. Um, I don't think they changed like dungeon layout between the 64 and the 3DS. Yeah. Yeah. Know. Interesting. Well, anyways, back to side quests. Yeah, Matt. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it tells <laughs> yeah, no, the, the section that we're in right now. Dang. All right. Dungeon map. In no, this that was section actually is really great. So, you know, we're just going back to it. <laughs> no, that was a really cool aside, though. I'm glad we talked about that. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, side quest, Matt, what, what yes, did you do? So um, I did the entire Gerudo's training ground, which I very much like. I think it's a very fun, almost like a mini dungeon. Um, I you so you only you can get nine total keys to unlock all nine doors. Um, you only need seven to get the uh, ice arrows. So I just got the seven. Because I didn't have the silver gauntlets at the time, so I didn't worry about the one that was behind the big ass uh, rock. Sure. And um, then, so yeah, I did that, um, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, I really like the Gerudo training gown. It was a lot of fun. I don't think I'll ever use the ice arrows at all, but um, you know, it was still a fun activity. So I have a question: Did you do the um, the archery, the Gerudo archery oh, absolutely. field, and get the big I, quiver? Yes. So I that was, and it's actually the biggest quiver because yeah. I already had the big quiver. What was your high score? Uh, I stopped. I, I stopped after I got the biggest quiver, which I got to sixteen ninety. Eighteen sixty. Yeah, I thought about doing it again, but I had already gotten the piece of heart and the biggest quiver, so I was like, "Eh, I'm I'm good." It actually is. I think it's the most fun shooting mini game in in this whole game. Like, oh for sure, it's nice because opponent is moving for you, so you're sort of on rails, and it's got sort of honestly kind of like a Star Foxy vibe, you know? Yeah, 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 it's fun. That that is like the side quest that I did, and if I'm being honest, I've just been neck deep in mass effect remaster well, yeah in order to me both yeah which has kept me from doing a lot more of the side quests but that's okay this is a bit of an aside because it's not about zelda at all but um i am also playing the mass effect legendary edition right now oh it's so good <laughs> i've never i have never played any of these games before and these two have played them multiple times so they've been giving me a hard time for like a decade, a decade about not playing mass effect and i'm in it right now and i'm loving it so far so and, let and, me just say the reason i haven't done side quests for zelda is because i did a hundred percent completion of mass effect one a hundred percent completion of mass effect two and i'm halfway through a 100 percent completion of mass effect three and it's been two weeks geez that's okay that sounds <laughs> impressive jackson that sounds like something you might get extra credit for on a Mass Effect podcast. And also, oh, to be out of college and not have a job yet. Dang. Until Tuesday when yeah, I do I know, have a job. I, I know, so, but like, I'm yeah. just, uh, that's just so much free time <laughs> that I don't have. It's frustrating. Okay, okay, okay. Anyway, but Jackson, yeah. we, ex- we excuse your lack of Ocarina of Time side quests. But as you were talking about, that shooting gallery is my favorite. Um, the nostalgia of the first shooting gallery in Ocarina of Time is great, That's but true. this one is just more fun. And unlike Way the first bow and arrow shooting gallery, it's actually like predictable. So it's not like mm-hmm. you're you kicking practice, yourself for yeah, it. You can practice at it and and eventually get it perfect if yeah. you like really wanted to. Because at least yeah. the targets don't randomly appear out of different locations each time you play it. So yeah, 
yeah, no, it's fun. I still have a lot of muscle memory from the N64 version that uh, that helps me a lot with this section, you know, yeah. like where you have to have the bow positioned in order to get the pots and all that. It's yeah. it's, it's great. Um, and I think the, the only other notable thing is I got another full heart container outside of the one that you get. Um, OK, in, in the, so I'm working on I now have 15 heart containers, including yeah. the the one from the temple. So I just want to say that I'm really very fortunate that I didn't accidentally acquire another heart piece of heart anywhere in this game before getting to this because this Giryudo chick gives you a piece of heart as a reward before you before get the, you get the biggest quiver. quiver. Yeah. So like I'm sitting there, I'm going through it the first time. I beat the score she told me to beat and I go back to get my quiver and she gives me a piece of heart. And I'm sitting here like, man, if I had had three pieces of heart when I did this, you would have just ruined my three heart run Giryudo lady. And then, <laughs> and then I would have had to like hard quit the game without saving and that would have been a whole thing but oh it would have yeah. been sad that that did not happen i still have only three hearts well we're very very proud of you thank you very much yeah. i just so on my list of things to do for this upcoming week is obviously get Nehru's love get the fourth bottle and then um i'm going to be doing a lot of sculptula hunting um i'm at 73 sculptulas or something like that so i have 27 to go and then I need to um, I need to get some more pieces of heart. Did you get all the sculptures as Young Link with magic beans? Uh, I think I need one more. Okay, um, because there were quite a few in this section of the game when you go back to Young Link. And yeah, you go so to the I, that's desert. those are the that's the one I need to get is the one at the Desert Colossus. It's planned. You didn't get that this run through? No, I didn't. I just I didn't have time. All right. Well, you know, now, you know, <laughs> I mean, I knew that already. I just didn't do it. Um, I just I just hate paying that dude for I know freaking and magic he beans. always he's such a freaking con artist. He increases the price of beans every time you buy it. And you're the only one buying his damn beans. He's like, these are really hot items lately. And I'm like, Fuck you, dude, I just bought your whole stock and you're Deep sitting there, there munching them. Yes, <laughs> a, a, a good old, a good old, a good old, yeah, right there. Man, yeah, God, he's say. annoying. Yeah, we're gonna put a sound effect over that particular expletive. But it's all about it's all about economics, Matt. Right? Supply and demand. You buy them, so he has less supply, so he's got to charge. No, more. he has less supply because he's stuffing his fat face. That's why he has less supply. You're right. He does eat half the merchandise. <laughs> okay, so, uh, so sorry, Matt. How many gold sculpture tokens did you say you have right now? Seventy three. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so that's where Matt's at with his completionist run. We'll see where he nets out at the end of the game. I'm trying to think if there's anything else you need to do. I, the only thing I can think of is the one more bottle, the rest of the pieces of heart, and the rest of the sculpture is in Nehru's love. Masks? I already did the mask quest. You, you got all that done? Yeah, okay. I did. All, I already did the mask trading quest. Um, yeah, I mean that. Ooh, gold scale from the fishing pond. Hmm, fishing mini game. <laughs> yep. I, I do have a question because I can't remember if you said it or not, but quite a few weeks ago when the when we first became Adult Link and we do the bomb chew thing in Hyrule, did you ever actually beat that? Yeah. Okay, because I remember you being really alley. frustrated with it. Alley? Yeah, I've, I've, I beat the bomb chew bowling alley. I got, I got that on I my... I got the piece of heart and the big bomb bag from, from the bomb chew So let alley. me just brag real quick. I got that on my second try, and the I only thing... On my second try. The only thing that beat me the first time was freaking Dave. Dave. Yeah, so <laughs> I haven't done that, and it's simply because I respect Dave too much to throw bomb chews at him. <laughs> I, I respect what he's achieved in life. I mean, his, He's now a giant chicken. His, his girth is magnificent. <laughs> he is a magnificent specimen. Yeah, so... Uh, uh, love you Dave I'm gonna miss you when you're gone you can bleep this but he's a magnificent cock 
I need to do some real soul searching and decide whether I want to leave that in or not. It's good for the <laughs> chuckles, but also, also it's a it's a troubling euphemism. So. It's very troubling. So I don't know. That's a good one, though. Okay, cool. Um, oh yeah. lord. Okay, so that was part four where we talk side quests. Let's get into part five, which is of course Z targeting, where we lock onto fascinating characters or enemies that we happen to cross. I'm I gonna actually did mine this week. Did you? Well, okay. <laughs> well, in in honor of in honor of that, I'm gonna let you go first. Uh, so, uh, it's okay. Which one is it that starts the fight? Kotake, who tells her twin sister that she is 20 years younger than her. <laughs> I I love that. So I mean much. that's that's such like a that's such like a golden girls moment, it, you know, it, like it yeah. totally is. Like that so <laughs> I <laughs> I love that. It cracks me up and they just sit there going back and forth on you're senile. No, you're senile. No, I mean that's such like a that's uh, such like a Betty White and B Arthur kind of exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah. So so Kotake, I who I think is the one that starts the fight um is my z targeting I, I find her hilarious i love that conversation because they do argue she's like i'm 380 and then the other one's like but i'm 400 and we're twins right? <laughs> exactly and like, then, but, so but then they argue about something else and then it comes back to it later it's like how dare you disrespect your, your older, older sibling sister. and, and it's like, like we're twins <laughs> <laughs> that's actually one of those rare because sometimes the dialogue in this game or, or in these games can be a little awkward because you've got like the japanese to english translation that's going on there's localization they try to make it culturally relevant to whatever market you're playing in but this is one of those that's just kind of like oh man nintendo with the with the with the good dialogue absolutely yeah good on y'all well done my runner up was um naburu as an iron knuckle because i actually laughed out loud when she stands up and starts trying to do the tuscan raider moment but doesn't have the axe and then just goes wait what (laughs) (laughs) that made me literally laugh out loud a lot of of character going on in this dungeon it it was it was fantastic little character moments is great jackson what's your z targeting all right mine mine's not a named character but it's one of the lieutenants in the fortress and it's after you defeat her and you release the final carpenter mm-hmm. and she comes up and she's like wow i didn't think that there was any man as great as ganondorf the king of, of gerudo but you know you must be pretty skilled in order to get past us so you know here's a free pass to go wherever the frick you want in our entire village and all of our territory well so that piece of dialogue i thought was <laughs> it's so very odd it's very odd because it's like it's, it's so like, odd. i used to think that all men other than the great ganondorf were worthless but after seeing you i don't think so anymore <laughs> i love i love that and it's all like, like i'm glad man. i could cure you of your sexism yeah it's like man i'm 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 happy that you could achieve such a massive worldview shift in the span of like 30 minutes here so I, I just think it was great because she just walks up and she's like You've done absolutely nothing of worth, but I suddenly trust you with everything. So here you right? go. Like, and she just you, gives you a golden <laughs> ticket, literally a golden ticket to do anything. You literally participated in a prison break out in within the borders of our territory. Now, here's a pass to go wherever you want. I don't think that's how that I think if you went and broke broke someone out of prison in the United States, the prison guards would not then give you a pass. Yeah, that's very well. They would give you a pass to the prison to go to right, which you would then be in. Yes, they would give you a pass to like walk around the prison willy nilly free, free to go. Like, right. I feel like there's some very weird things happening here. Maybe it's a Gerudo cultural 
thing, or maybe it's just because they're thieves and they're like, we don't give a shit about I, laws. I, I think, don't know. I think the lieutenant saw your skill and was like, dang, this guy's kind of well, hot. No, well, Namuru <laughs> says that in the Chamber of Sages, right? She's yeah, every, like, everyone's horny for Link. Everyone is super horny for Link. Namuru is like, man, had I only I known you'd grown into such a handsome man, I would have kept that promise I made to you all those years ago when you were a child. Like, okay, that's creepy. <laughs> Disgusting. Ugh. Uh... You've got a cool, just like overall. I mean, but at this point, Link's got it like a marriage deal with about half of the royal. Yeah, people I was about to in, say, who, so he's engaged Hyrule. to Princess Rudo, technically. I mean, is there something there between Link and Zelda, or is that There's, just kind of like that's I so have, hard to okay, gauge? So in here's some of the deal: games. this is a, an ongoing topic of conversation. To what extent are Link and Zelda romantically involved in whatever game they're in? And I think that the answer varies depending on the game. Clearly, I think. Skyward Sword and Breath of the Wild Link are definitely there. Yeah, an item. Yes, one hundred percent. Ocarina of Time. I've never really gotten the feeling. That I, they are. I, I really don't either. Yeah, and because I, I think this, this, I think the canon, like standard Hyrule Historia canon, is that Link and Malin end up together. Yeah, we in talked. This game. You guys talked yeah, about yeah, that with Cody. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we talked about that was, with Cody. I thought it was Sam. I thought Sam brought that. No, up. it was with Cody. Was it with Cody? Yeah, okay. yeah because because right. then um, Twilight Princess Link is a descendant of Ocarina. You're, of you're right. Link. You're right. You're right. And that and that makes more sense to me. I don't know. I've I've never felt like uh, Ocarina of Time Zelda and Link really had too much of a closeness there. No, I um, mean the the entire relationship is based around Link's interactions with Sheik. Yeah, and similarly, I don't think I've ever felt like Twilight Princess Link and Twilight Princess no. Zelda ever had. Much Absolutely of a, not. Yeah, no. no. Twilight but, Twilight Princess Zelda is a um, a cold, cold woman. Yeah, well, the game's kind of cold too. So also true. But back to my Z targeting. Just oh, the yes, last, sorry. the last thought I have about this is she's a couple things. One, she's just like. This guy is so cool, he can do whatever the crap he wants. Like, this guy is just a badass, right? Right. And then there's the, I'm giving you this golden ticket, now... Can we has the... The cuddles? Yeah. <laughs> can we has das romance? Talk, that, I mean, that's that. We'll, we'll put that in the subtext category. I guess you could read into that if you wanted to. All right, my Z-targeting pick is... The frog that gets turned into eye drops in the big Aww, golden sword. Oh, poor frog! He's so cute. He's <laughs> smiling and he's so he's cute. so happy. And it's like they, it's like they went out of their way to design a cute little icon for this frog. Where it's like, oh my gosh, I just want to, just want to hold him and love him. And and, it's and like, then no, we're gonna turn him into. Eye yeah, drops. it's like no, this creepy old man's gonna like crush him up and make eye drops out. And of the him, creepy so. old man was excited to eat the frog's eyeballs. It's like, freaking, like what? It's like freaking Tommy Boy where he's got the the roll he's like yeah i'm gonna stroke it and pet it oh my pretty little pet i love you so i stroke it and i pet it and i massage it yeah, I love it. I love my little naughty pet. You're naughty. And then I take my naughty pet and I go <laughs> Oh! I killed it. Well, it's because Nintendo has this way about their cartoon design that's just adorable with with little innocent animals. Right. It's like the cows all over Ocarina are just so cute and you just love them so much. Yeah. So anyway, look, all I'm saying is uh, ends justify the means and I needed the Goron sword. But also, like, I was very close to just 
riding it out till the end of the game with my frog friend, which actually I guess I couldn't have done because the frog doesn't the frog like die. No, he like thaws because he's frozen. Oh, okay. So you could have let him live. This is all on your hands, Lyndon. The the blood of the frog (laughs) is is on my hands. You know, I have a speaking of animals and creatures in this section of the game, I have a bonus Z target, which is the things that make me excited to see the new Dune movie. And it's all those little sandworms in the haunted wasteland. What are those? The levers is what they're called. Oh, they're so creepy. So they're actually what I love. What I love doing is seeing if I can kill enough of those dudes between the haunted wasteland and the entrance to the spirit temple to make the big blue ones. Yes, the big blue one is cool. Yeah. And he spawns a red rupee. Yeah. I mean, I'm totally maxed out on rupees by the time i get there but I'm literally know. always maxed out on rupees. yeah sure but it's the what do you even spend rupees on in this game i, do, I have no idea listen oh the you grass- know who's the most useless this actually i guess can also be a semi bonus z targeting award for the most useless merchant in the game goes to the carpet salesman who for 200 rupees will sell you bomb shoes f that guy yeah, no, I mean, I mean, there's always new grass to cut in, in high in high rule, right? Because yeah. grass just goes ridiculous. And for some reason, grass sprouts rupees. So yeah. grass equals money. So but. the, the freaking bomb chew guy, I think that's just the game's way of, of uh, screwing you out of some rupees before you get to the spirit temple. Even though the only thing you need bomb chews in the spirit temple for is the one wall, the one wall. And you can get bomb chews in that room. Yeah, you, like, you hit the. You hit the crystal on the other side of the room and it spawns a chest that gives you five bomb shoes. Yeah. Anyway. That's that guy. Yeah, you're right. Speaking of which, there are so many extra chests in this temple. That is so unbelievable. There are so many chests that just spawn like random blue rupees for no reason. Yeah. Like they're everywhere. That is a massive tease. Okay. So that Mm -hmm. is part five, which is Z targeting. Let's move on real quick into part six, which is our final thoughts. Matt, are you ready for your weekly one sentence, two sentence? Run on sentence. One sentence with five semicolons, (laughs) whatever. Yes. Okay. So I would say that this is the crown jewel of the Ocarina of Time. It is is a portion of the game that flexes its time travel mechanic. It flexes combat. It flexes superb environmental and musical dungeon enemy design. And it does it all together simultaneously in a very nice package. And I love it. That was a run on sentence if I've ever heard one. My actually, goodness. you know what? That's actually uh, that's pretty good. Uh, he's he's had he's had some significantly more meandering thoughts than that. So. You had a phrase in there that I swear had like six dashes in between words to describe as an adjective. <laughs> yeah, most likely. But it, you know, well put. Thank you. It was accurate. It was accurate. Is, I thought you did a great job, Matt. Great Thanks, job. Thanks, Lyndon. All right. Jackson over here busting my balls. Yeah. Can you can you tell we're related? All right. <laughs> okay. So with that, that has been uh, the end of the Sacred Realms Rundown for this week. We will, of course, be back next week with another Sacred Realms Rundown where we will talk about <clears throat> Ganon's Castle and the finale of the game. It's going to be a great one. Um before we get out of here, we don't have a listener mail for this week. We also don't necessarily have news, but I do just want to remind everybody that we are so close to E3, I can taste it. And guys, we're going to get some Zelda news at E3 this year. Um, a lot of Zelda news. At the at the absolute very least, we're going to be seeing Breath of the Wild too. So, Which is all we're really wanting. I mean, uh, 
Well, oh. speak speak for yourself. I want everything. I want it all. I want it all. I want it all. So, but, but, like, just imagine if instead of doing a remake, imagine if Nintendo put a hundred percent of their Zelda team on Breath of the Wild two to make it even better than the first one, which is already okay. Awesome. So, uh, there's a few things that go into this. One, people have varying thoughts about what state of completion Breath of the Wild two is in. I mean, th- it's hard to kind of analyze all of this just because we don't know the impact that COVID has had on their production, but like. One thing that everyone seems to mostly agree on is that the Switch Pro, which is heavily rumored, to this point, like we know it, we know it's real, we know it's coming. Um, most everybody seems to think that the Switch Pro, whatever it's called, and Breath of the Wild Two are going to drop at the same time, which I personally agree with. I think that that's a smart move for Nintendo. I think that that's a, I think if you're trying to sell Switch Pro consoles, um, and Breath of the Wild 2 runs best on the Switch Pro, then of course you 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 know you kind of bundle those together or you release them at the same time. But um regardless, we don't have the answers to those questions just yet. But E3 is coming up and we will receive answers to those questions. As of the time of recording on this episode, rumors are a fly-in that Nintendo is about to drop news for the Switch Pro any day now. People who are very much in the know about this sort of thing are saying that we're going to get a Switch Pro announcement prior to E3 so that developers can talk about their games being optimized for the Switch Pro during the actual conference, which makes sense, but that also leaves us like two weeks for that to happen. And and some people are saying it may happen as soon as this week. So that could happen any day now. But again, um, E3 is coming up. Nintendo is going to be doing an E3 Direct, and during that Direct, I would bet on seeing a fair amount of Zelda. Whatever whatever happens there, we don't know exactly. We can predict, you know, we can make as many predictions as the day is long, uh, but we truly don't know yet. We will know soon. I just have something that I want that will never happen, and it is the Symphony of the Goddess on vinyl. And if they announce that at E3 or any <laughs> sort of Nintendo Direct... I think I'd be happier than any person alive. Well, you know, you know what has happened that's remarkably close to the thing you just said you want, which is the Hero of Time uh, orchestral arrangement, which is on vinyl, uh, composed and arranged, of course, by Eric Buchholz, who is going to be the guest on our next bonus episode, which we'll be doing next week. So, yay! 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 Unintentional lead-in. Yay! Happy that you totally could, uh, unplanned. Yeah, happy you could tee that one up for us, Jackson. Yes, Eric Buchholz will be on for our bonus episode next week, where we talk about his symphonic arrangement of the soundtrack of this game. It's incredible. Go give it a listen. Uh, well worth your time. Anywho, uh, that is all that we've got for news this week. Um, again. We will we will be talking about whatever gets announced as it happens, and we will be recording a bonus episode covering any relevant Zelda announcements that happen during E3. So look forward to that. Jackson, we have really appreciated having you on today. Well, you know, I'll be around. So whenever you you or your fans feel like you want me back, I'll I'll be here. And I'm always excited to play Zelda and, you know, drink whiskey and talk with you guys. Yeah, we'll be making some more firm plans in the next few weeks about what our, uh, our what our production and guest schedule looks like for whatever the next game we play is. Again, looks like Link's Awakening right now, but we'll be making some calls about that here here before too long. Make it Link's Awakening. Well, if it is Link's Awakening, you realize that means you have to one, buy it and two, play it. And, you know... I'm not upset about either of those. Nor should you be. It's a great time. 
All right, guys, if you enjoyed today's show and you would like a little extra Sacred Realms in your life, head over to patreon.com slash sacredrealmspod and become a patron. Got no rupees? It's no problem. Five-star Apple podcast reviews are a great free way to support us. More reviews means that more people see our show, and that makes us very happy Hylians. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sacred Realms Pod for updates on the pod to see pictures of the guide that Jackson saved from the depths of whatever box it was in and for more behind the scenes action. Sacred Realms will be back next Wednesday with our thoughts on Ocarina of Time covering Ganon's castle and the finale of the game. We'd love for you to play along with us and to share your thoughts on social channels. Ocarina of Time can, of course, be played on the Nintendo 3DS or 2DS on the uh, collector's edition disc that came with Wind Waker on the GameCube and on the Wii U gamepad, which nobody should ever do. Of course, you can always play Ocarina of Time as well on your trusty old N64, which is never a bad way to do things. In the meantime, guys, may your hearts be full and may your arrows never miss. We will catch you next time. Sacred Realms is an independent podcast production, which is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Lyndon Willoughby. Our music comes from Zelda and Chill by Mikkel and is graciously provided to us by Mikkel in Game Chops Records. Zelda and Chill is available to stream on Spotify or to purchase directly from GameChops.com. Finally, our thanks go to Nintendo for creating such exceptional and innovative experiences. Bye!